Hello, and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This is the fourth and last in a series of podcasts looking at the experiences of black researchers in science and technology in the UK. With me to explore some of the issues is Dr. Bernadine Idowu, Associate Professor of Biomedical Science at the University of West London. Dr. Idowu, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And most importantly, thank you for having me. So, Bernadine, you've written in the past about the advantages of peer mentoring for black students. Just tell us a little bit, what is peer mentoring and, and why is it so useful? So peer mentoring is a collaborative, uh, mutually beneficial partnership between a mentor who possesses greater skills, knowledge and experience that um, a younger person, a mentee, who is looking to increase his or her skills, knowledge and experiences. So that's what mentoring is basically about. And why is it useful? Oh my goodness, it's massively useful. It helps build confidence. It motivates, it builds networks. It provides opportunities which you might not necessarily have been privy to. So what I always say is mentoring open doors. And we're particularly focusing on peer mentoring mm -hmm. as opposed to the mentoring for a person, maybe two or three levels above you. Mm -hmm. So describe how you've used sort of peer mentoring uh, within your university. So it's interesting you say two or three years above you, because that's exactly what our peer mentoring is. It's a young person coming into university, starting the first year, and then looking up to somebody in years two, or even years three, to guide them along the way. That students always have questions, that they may not always be necessarily comfortable speaking to their personal tutor, or their lecturer, or course leader. But of course, if they have a fellow student who is ahead of them, they will be guiding them um, along the way in terms of, you know, what you should be reading, where you can get information from, where's the best shops to go to, et cetera, et cetera. University life, so to speak. And explain how this is particularly helpful for black students. Ah, oh, that's a good question. Good question. Well, for Black students, or, or let me just even use myself as an example. Coming into university, again, it depends also on the university. Sometimes you feel like you're alone. You don't feel a sense of belonging. You're, you're afraid to ask questions for fear of being looked at differently. So if there's someone there that's already been through this journey, my goodness, that would make me feel that much comfortable being in such surroundings, in such areas. That's how I'd see uh, pay mentioning specifically for me as a Black person. So you're then arranging for your students, mentors who, where possible, maybe come from the same ethnic group so that you have black students peer mentored by other black students. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly it. And I'm seeing the benefits already. I'm seeing the confidence in my students. I'm seeing them asking questions that they probably wouldn't have thought would be the right questions to ask it's quite it's quite deep when you think about this so one of the other things i know you've been heavily involved with uh, is the bme early 
Career Researcher Conference. Tell us the story behind that and you know how it got set up and, and how it's going. Okay. So when I was at King's uh, back in 2016, so, so no, let me be clear. I've been at King's for a long time, but then being a researcher, sometimes your money runs out despite you trying to apply, et cetera, et cetera. So I was in between jobs. I knew I always wanted to go into teaching. I knew that for a fact. And my then supervisor always encouraged me to look at initiatives within a university which would prepare you for teaching, including conducting teaching course or doing a teaching course. So for the teaching courses, there was an open day. And for the open day, four teachers, the then, so the previous uh, principal, president of King's College London, was sitting on a panel for undergraduate students talking about their experiences. For the first time, I've seen principals, you know, talk to students in the past. But this time I saw a principal that genuinely wanted to know what students had to say. He was listening and he was answering their questions directly, not indirectly. His name is Sir Ed Byrne. So he was leaving. Uh, after we finished, he was about to leave. And I just had something in me that just said, go and meet him. I'm thinking, you don't just meet a principal like that. You've got to go for his secretary, etc. But I did. I, I went to him and then I, I whispered, please, can I have a word? And then he said, yes, yeah, sure. And then I explained that since graduating from King's, I hadn't seen an increase. In fact, I hadn't seen any BME, Black Minority and Ethnic Lecturer, female lecturer in science. And he did, he said to me, yep, yeah, that does concern me. So when he said that, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, he wants to know more about my experience. And then he literally plucked a card from nowhere and said, make an appointment to see me. At which time, I, I can't believe exactly what's happened just there. So anyway, ran around a corner, picked up my mobile phone and made called his secretary and made the appointment. And truly, we had a conversation. And I do remember producing some stats about the numbers of BME students in X amount of years. I can't even remember what I, what I said then. And then um, he was making notes. And I'm thinking, why is he making notes for? He knows all this information. Whether he did or not, I don't know. And then he said, Benedine, follow me. And we went into his deputy's office. And then because he's, he saw my passion about BME students, about wanting to see change, about wanting to see change at senior level, he could tell that I was very much interested in diversity and inclusion. So we spoke to his deputy. He then said, use that money over there for Benedine to work in diversity and inclusion. Working in diversity and inclusion part-time in the central team at King's was so amazing. I didn't even know such a department existed, to be honest with you. When you're a scientist, you're always in a lab, and that's where you think that exists, within reason. And King's was one of eight universities that had been awarded the Bronze Race Equality Charter Mark in 2014. So one of my roles was to look at why postdoctoral researchers were not transitioning to become lecturers and were leaving um, academia. You know, if you leave academia, this then reduces the pool of black talent uh, that will later years be competing for professorships at universities or even across the countries. So 
my thing was, why are we leaving academia? Why are we just postdocing? Why are we not making that transition to become lecturers? I was one of those people. So I thought about what I do for my charity. So I run a charity, it's called Youth Against Crime, not Crime Against You. It's mainly strengths are peer mentoring. I thought about what do I do there? I listen to my young people. So I thought, let's listen to this postdoctoral researchers. Let's see what we're missing. Let's see how we can support them, how we can guide them. And before I knew it, I'd already decided on running a conference for BME early career researchers, postdoctoral researchers, and listening to what they're saying, asking what they want from a conference, asking how we can empower them, how they can feel positive, practical and pragmatic and feeling empowered to stay in academia. (laughs) This podcast is just too short to go through exactly the achievements, but just to say I've seen people transitioning to become lecturers, I've seen people promoted, I've seen mentoring being something substantial now that everybody realised they need to have, I've seen collaborations, I've seen networks being built, it's been powerful and we've just completed our sixth year. Fantastic and that's a, a great demonstration of how that kind of peer group can really support and help each other. Absolutely. It remains true, however, and it's one of the things you mentioned in your remarks just then, that there are only a really tiny number of black researchers at professorial level in UK universities. So tease out for me a little bit, what are some of the main reasons for this? So, yeah, let me just start by sharing some stats. Advanced HE published in 2021 that there are 22,795 university professors in the UK. Now, when this is broken down to gender and race, 6,340 are women and only 40 are black women. Now, this could be perceived as racial inequalities in higher education. In some cases, we're just being overlooked because of our race. Some barriers are always in place. And in a few cases, just a few cases, we lack self-confidence. So we don't apply. We don't think we are good enough, despite looking at our white counterparts and seeing we have more publications or we have a greater reach or we've even brought in more money. So there are several reasons. But having said that, I am grateful that there are some Black female professors out there because if they weren't there, I wouldn't aspire to be one because... If I don't see one, I don't think I can be one. So, you know, it's a small number. And I know with all the initiatives in place and the support, I think things can change with time. It will take time, but at least we've got something to work with. Well, let's look at some of those initiatives. Let's uh, think about some of the potential actions that already are happening and more of which need to happen to sort of address the problem. And obviously there's many different players involved in this but let's think about universities to start with what Mm. do universities need to do what do senior leaders in universities need to do what what needs to happen there thank you senior leaders need to be open to discussing these issues 
having these what I call uncomfortable conversations. And I'm pleased to say I've had these experiences whereby I have been very, very fortunate to speak to senior leaders. The first one, as I mentioned earlier on, is the former principal of King's College London, Sir Ed Byrne, who has since returned back to Australia. And he listened to what I had to say, and then he um, used his own funding to give me a position. So that was just amazing. Then where I'm currently at now, at University of West London, again, I've got the ears of the senior leaders. And that for me is just massive. And it's very encouraging. It makes me feel like I can I can be open, I can be honest and have these conversations, specifically with the Deputy Vice-Chancellor, Professor um, Anthony Woodman. So for example, of recent, our university has given us support and invested in the 100 black women uh, professors now which is part of the Women's Higher Education Network. And for the university to give that support, you know that they want to be seen to be making changes. So I'm really fortunate to have had the initial conversations at King's and carry on here at the University of West London. And do you think there's a role within universities for greater encouragement? I mean, one of the things you were saying earlier was that you know, black researchers sometimes don't put themselves forward for promotion, even though they have at least a comparable record in performance as uh, some of their white counterparts. So what's that kind of sort of more positive engagement that needs to happen? Yeah, I think what we're talking more about is positive action. Okay, saying there is a problem, Let's get the right people around the table to try and solve this solution. And when you get universities saying, "Okay, we understand that more needs to be done, Bernadine and people that look like Bernadine, let's have the conversations. Let's see what we can do. Once that is happening, things do change. Having that conversations and not just making a tick box exercise, you know, saying things are going to be done and seeing things being done. People, you know, the students are seeing changes and the younger lecturers are seeing things and the senior lecturers and then everyone is seeing things change and then they will see, "Mm, this is a good university to come to because we're being supported, we're being listened to. Well, let's move away a little bit from universities. One of the other sort of big players in the the sort of melting pot of, of people who can be doing things are are people who fund research. Uh, So I'm talking about UKRI, I'm talking about the research councils, but also big uh, charitable research funders, you know, your Wellcome Trust or your Cancer Research UK or, or, or whatever. What's the role that those funders have in trying to sort of push through some of the barriers that we've been talking about? Once again, having the conversations and they are having the conversations in that of recent. Who was it? I think it was Welcome Connecting Science, I believe Um, they organized a interview. So they put together a survey and after the survey, they asked if you're happy to um, have an interview about 40 minutes. And then again, having the conversations What are people saying? What have people observed? What changes can they do? They're making a report and actually implementing it. Anybody can do an interview. Anybody can have a conversation, but it's the implementation that we need. 
I'm that type of person that has these conversations because it's important. I'm working with students, so I'm teaching students, I'm listening to students, I'm thinking that when they graduate, I want them to see that there's opportunities for them, you know, literally for them as a Black person or as a BME person. This is ready for you. You have to just decide this is something what you want to do. By having these conversations with these bodies, it's it's very, very helpful. And they're listening to me. And that's really important. They're listening to me. And in some cases, funding some of my initiatives. And do you think there's a case for positive action in funding? So, you know, funding streams that are, you know, set aside specifically for certain groups. Yes. And Sanger Institute has done exactly that. They've put aside money for black postdoctoral researchers, which is really, really important. And the way that happened was... Again, as I said earlier on, getting the right people around the table to say what we need. And they heard everything that was said and they put it in place and it's happening now as we speak. So some are starting, some are asking about it. Some funding bodies are asking about it. And I think with time, it's going to be quite normal (laughs) to ensure there's positive action. Yeah. Well, just as we come to the end of our conversation, you talked about time. So Mm. let's put a sort of a positive hat on if we can and look yeah. forward a few years yeah where do you think that we can get to in addressing some of these things over i don't know five years say so if i'm still around and i pray to god i am i know that i would have ensured that with certain funding bodies for example mrc we're having a conversation as we speak there's a, a pot of money put aside for my students to work over the summer in the lab to gain the experience so that when they apply for jobs, they're competitive. And I believe, and I'm seeing this as we speak, where one funding body does something, others are asking, oh, can we get involved? Or what do you think we need to do? So I think because, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very positive person, okay? I'm a woman of faith. And I just feel as though that there is so much that I, I can do and I can achieve, and so many conversations I can have, so many people I can reach out to, that fortunately for me, they're listening to me. And when they're hearing my journey, as I speak it, my lived experiences, and what I would like to see in the future, I think they wanna be part of that, because they can see me talking to, even primary school children I speak to through my charity, all the way up to university. So when I'm talking about my journey, giving experience and examples, they're thinking, oh, look, let's let's see how we can help them. Let's see what changes we need to make, because we do need to make changes. You know, they've looked at their, their staff, they've looked at who they've awarded money to, and they've realized we're missing, we're missing people. We're missing people. And we can make that change. We can, we can contribute to these young people's future and make it a positive one for them. Well, that is a positive thought and, and a great place to finish. That's all we have time for today. But Dr. Bernadine Adowu, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you very much for giving me a voice. Thank you. You're most welcome. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Dr. Bernadine Adowu, Associate Professor of Biomedical Science at the University of West London.
The Foundation for Science and Technology is holding an event on the 7th of December entitled Black Scientists Tackling Racism in UK Science and Technology. Details of this event, which is free to attend either in person or online, can be found at our website at www.foundation.org.uk forward slash events. Also on our website are details of all our other events, all our blogs, all our journals, and all previous editions of this podcast. Until the next time, goodbye.